We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select. Welcome to Picks for Pace, presented by the Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to Picks for Pace, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. My name is Andrew Freeman. And I'm happy to, of course, be joined by my co-host, Yusei Koshal. Yusei, we're recording this episode on January 20th uh, on Thursday here. You know, it's it's cold and windy in the, in the windy city here, but um, a lot of interesting stuff going on in the world of the Bears and um, draft season almost underway now that we're a couple of weeks away from the Senior Bowl. So uh, playoffs going on, a lot to talk about um, recently going on. But, you know, how are you doing today, man? And um, yeah, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing well. You know, it's this is, I think, our second full year where we're going to be doing this, um, you know, podcast together. And I think, you know, just for our listeners, and you'll get a bit of a sneak peek of it today, is last year was kind of hard because, like, COVID and everything impacted us just being able to get guests on and prospects and players. This year, though, guys, you know, I want to say that I'm working the phones endlessly. We're going to get all sorts of prospects on, a couple cool beat writers, too, and, you know, just some really cool guests because we want you guys to listen to this podcast and really feel like it is, you know, your one-stop shop for everything Chicago Bears and NFL Draft related. So it's going to be a fun year, guys. Buckle in, turn on your notifications for your podcast apps because you are not going to want to miss an episode this spring. Yeah, absolutely. I know we've been kind of trying to keep things a little bit under wraps here, but we have a lot in store uh, for this spring. It's going to start with the Senior Bowl. It's going to start with a, a lot of a lot of different people we're going to be having on, like you say it said. So I'm really excited. Uh, we also have a guest today that we're going to get to in a little bit. Um, really, let's just give a rundown of what we're going to be covering today, you say, because, you know, the Bears, we'll start with them here first. They've announced a couple of things. You know, they had interviews with uh, Reggie McKenzie and Byron Leftwich today that was officially announced. Um, it's been announced that we have a official scheduling for Matt Eberflus getting a second interview with the Bears. So that's something we'll be touching on today as well as just GM search in general. But uh, you mentioned guest, you said, and we were able to get our first guest of this draft cycle, this this offseason period. 
uh, Jalon Owens, who's a defensive back for uh, Benedictine local college here um, in the Chicagoland area. We were able to sit down with him and talk about his journey um, while he looks to make the, the jump from uh, small school to the NFL. Uh, we had a really fun time talking to with him. So before we get to anything uh, Bears related here on the GM search and the head coach search and, and everything going on there, uh, we're going to go to our interview with Jalon right away. Uh, I had a lot of fun with this. So here is our interview and our sit-down conversation with Jalon. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Joining us now on the Picks for Pace podcast, we've got Chicago's very own local kid, Benedictine University's very own defensive back, Jalon Owens, is in the house. Fun fact, he's actually a best friend of two of my high school classmates and former teammates as well. But Jalon, what's going on, man? We're excited because you're our first official prospect that we're having on the show this year. So congrats on that. Always a cool distinction. But how are you doing today, man? Thanks for joining us. I'm, I'm doing amazing. You know, just finished the day training and everything. Thanks for honestly having me on the show. It's an honor to be on here. Absolutely. We love our DBs, especially, and I'm sure, you know, we love our defensive backs here in Chicago, but you know, we got to get started with the kind of first question here. Like take us through your time at Benedictine. I mean, after graduating from Naperville central, why do you think BU was such a great fit? And then, you know, compared to like going away from football, why do you feel like, you know, the why what were the benefits of staying local compared to going away so that's the crazy part uh i didn't have the most prolific high school career i had as many people in the illinois area know i had a man rugumba there's one of that's my brother right there uh, i had him in front of me so kind of deterred me at first uh, playing football in, in college because i always was behind him but with people that I had around me, my support system, people at Acceleration in Naperville and uh, Manny, his family, my family, they pushed me to continue football. I actually went to Baldwin-Wallace University in Berea, Ohio at first. And my freshman year, I tore my ACL. I had a, my mom had my little sister right before I went to college. So then after the injury and having a little sister, I was like, okay, I want to be a big brother in my little sister's life, see her first moments. So I went into the transfer portal and I decided just to stay local. Uh, people at Acceleration, they were considering actually going and coaching at Benedictine. JR uh, Nicholas, he's at College of DuPage, head coach now. He really pushed me to it and so did his little brother, Jeremy. So then took my visit at uh, Benedictine. Coach McCaslin had just got hired 
from University of Buffalo. So I was like, okay, it's a small school with a Division One coach coming in. We were supposed to be moving to Division Two. Uh, the defensive back coach was uh, Coach Battle, Dominique Battle. He played at University of Cincinnati. He was actually going to be a first-round pick before he got hurt uh, repeatedly at Cincinnati. And then Charles Love, who's now a scout for the Bears, was our receiver coach. So I sat down with those three. Coach Battle and Coach Love shot me straight right away, which is really rare to find in the recruiting process of a coach just telling you, like, straight up, like, look, you can come in. You might play. You may not. We're going to decide it during camp how you perform. So being shot straight by a coach was honestly the most important thing to me because I'm a straight shooter. I don't want to mince my words. I'm not I'm not going to let anything be up in the air. Like I'm clear, cutthroat, black and white. So those coaches just shot me straight. They looked at my film like, look, we want you to diagnose our defense real quick for me. So I sat down with Coach Battle, uh, went through the defense with them the first day on my uh, official visit. And then I, he realized I, my IQ for football was high. And then just decided right then and there, that was a family for me. Went there, had amazing coaches. Uh, Coach McCaslin left. Coach Battle ended up leaving as well. Then we got Coach Schrader. And man, those guys, the coaches at that university, they, they're not coaches to me, truthfully. They're father figures. They took me in and just helped me through a lot of different things on the field and off the field. So. Benedictine, truthfully, was an amazing situation because it was close to home. My mom and my little sister, my stepfather, and my brother could all come watch my games. Uh, I was still able to train at acceleration every day that I wanted to go in. Coach Nikola, uh, Coach Mike, and Coach JR were there. And then uh, Coach Goff, Seagoff, that man is a DB guru out in Chicago. So having all those people local to me, knowing I can get work 24-7, people that support me, and then Benedictine has an amazing business program. So it was just the perfect fit for me. Yeah, kind of continuing on your experience at Benedictine. And um, you talk about, you know, the supporting staff you had there with the coaching staff and just being local at home. Um, you know, how has your time at Benedictine continued to shape you as a player, both on the field as well as off the field as well? It's it's an everyday process because they tell me then and as well as at Neighborhood Central, we always stress on this, the little things that matter. So Coach Schrader just let me know, like, look, you're not going to be perfect. You're a human being. You're going to mess up. But the thing is, you have to make sure you fix those mistakes so it's not a repeated issue. So they just really welcomed me and they let me learn because they understood I was, when I transferred, I was 19, 20 years old. So they realized I was a young man trying to figure out the world, trying to be on my own. So they didn't really force me. They more so guided me and just assisted me as I continue to grow as a person and as a player. And then just the stuff that they've done, it's just crazy looking back that I honestly, I wasn't even going to continue playing football. This was a passion of mine. I was thinking about just coaching, being a GA, being a grad, like just a student coach. But they taught me, like, they showed me right away, like, you look, you have that dog mentality. You have what it takes to make it to the next level. And I just need to show the people what you can do. So they just spent extra time working with me. They seen that I'd be the first one in the locker room, last person to leave, last one in out of the uh, weight room too. So we just really gravitate towards each other. And then so, yeah, I'm generally curious to know because I feel like, you know, you have to have a certain mindset and kind of swagger to your game and personality to be able to play defensive back. I mean, describe your overall play your overall style of play as a defensive back. And then, you know, as a follow-up to that first one, is there anyone 
in the NFL a defensive back that you may model your game after or that you've looked up to? Yeah, uh, so first part of it, my mentality on the field is, like you said, you got to have the swagger. As a DB, you got to know that you're the best because you're going up against the best receivers. They're run, You have to do what they're doing. They're running at you straight forward. You have to be able to do exactly what they're doing backwards and react on what they're doing because they know what's going on. You're just reacting. So you just have to have that mentality like, look, I'm the best person out here. You line up across from me you're going to have a miserable day. So I'm, and my big thing is that I don't care if you catch the ball, I'm going to hit you every single time because I'm going to let you know I'm here. I'm, I'm not a small, like my, my weight might not be the biggest, but I play like I'm 225 pounds. I'm going to come in, hit you as hard as I can. I'm going to get that ball out. And then it's honestly just a dog mentality. Like, you have to feel like you have to personally believe that you're the best person on that field, because if you don't, the offense is going to like sense it like shark. It's like blood in the water. Once they have that little sense that you're not the best, that you have any doubt, they're going to attack you and they're going to take a straight advantage of you. So you just have to really believe in yourself and just have that swagger that you're the best in the field. And then as far as my game, it's a variety of people. It's, I don't just look at one person I, I'm a person that believes in mental reps. You have to be able to watch someone do something and get the, a lot of your reps from that. So with my play, it's it's a combination. Like I said, Manny was ahead of me my uh, junior, senior year. It's my best friend. He worked with me. Literally the first day I moved to Neighborville, took me straight to the field. So Manny's definitely one of the people. Uh, Greg Newsom, another Chicago kid. It's a first-round pick. Uh, worked with him a good amount. So... He's one, uh, I grew up a Seahawks fan. So all the Legion of Boom, Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor, Richard Sherman, uh, Brandon Browner, uh, yeah, Browner. Uh, and then Buda Baker is honestly one that's really stood out to me lately because as a DB, a lot of people are afraid to hit. Watching Buda Baker, he's not the biggest, he's not the fastest, but he's gonna come in and hit you every single time full speed. And you just gotta put your body on the line because you gotta hit. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that, you know, the game is as it trends more and more towards a passing game, um, you know, certainly a, a lot of people can forget about DBs and their hitting ability. But at the end of the day, football is still a sport about collision. It's still a collision sport. So mm-hmm. still, still having that physical mindset, uh, it, it, it's certainly something that can carry over, uh, whether you're a defense back, whether you're a linebacker, whether you're, you know, you're a defensive lineman, having that mentality is certainly something important. Um, but in terms of you know, when you look at transitioning now to the NFL, I know you talked about, you know, your injury when you were playing in Ohio and how that kind of got you set on your path towards Benedictine or got you towards that, um, you know, where you're at right now. Um, you know, what challenges have you had to go overcome in order to get to where you are at today? And, you know, as, you know, Benedictine being a small college like it is, you know, transitioning all the way up to the NFL now, making that jump. Uh, what do you anticipate being uh, a challenge moving forward for you as you make uh, that transition to the pros? Uh, truthfully, aren't like really thinking about it. I'm gonna start with the last part, the challenge, because that's what everyone's always saying. Like I've talked to a good amount of agents before I finally set uh, officially signed with Whitney Holzman. She's an amazing agent. She's new on the market wonderful woman she really cares about us it was just 
talking to different agents, they looked at my film, they looked at my stats, like, why didn't you transfer out after your junior year? It was just, anybody can go from Division One to the NFL. That's simple. We see it all the time. But how many people come from a Division Three? And not just come from a Division Three, but end up starting in the NFL. The last person that I know that did it was Michael Joseph, another Chicago kid. He went to Dubuque. He's on the Bears now. He didn't start in high school. It was a similar story. So biggest challenge is just showing people that the size, like the size of your school doesn't matter. It's all about your work ethic. It doesn't matter if you go against Division One SEC guys or if you go against Division Three or if you go to NAIA or JUCO. If you are, if you have that dedication, that work ethic, and you truthfully believe you're the best and you invest in yourself, somebody's going to end up investing in you. So that's truly the biggest challenge is showing someone that, like, look, I might be a small school kid, but I could play with the best of the best. Um, and then as well as just showing people that I had the speed to compete with anyone. Like, truly, I'm I'm looking forward to against the league. I want to cover Tyreek Hill. That's the first person I want to cover. Like, I know he's fast. Everyone talks about his speed. But I want to just show people, like, I have what it takes to not only – run with him but I can honestly I truthfully believe like I can cover him same with Devontae Adams everyone knows he's quick shifty his person off the line I want to go up against those guys like those are people I look forward to so to me it's not challenges it's just objectives like I just want to check those boxes off and then uh can you repeat the first part of the question my bad yeah just I mean you know some of the challenge I mean again we talked about you know overcoming uh the injury you had earlier in your college career is there been anything else in your college career or even before that, that it's kind of been, you know, not something that I guess held you back or anything, but just something that kind of had to overcome to get to where you're at today? Uh, there's three that come to my mind. So the first one was I played the entire 2019 season with the torn right labrum in my shoulder. Uh, my coaches just told me, sure, like, if you're hurt, you can play. If you're injured, you're done. And you're not any good to a team if you're in a cold tub, if you're just in the tub. So really just pushing through that, it honestly showed me that I could push through anything. It doesn't matter what the injury is, what's going on. Like, I can get it through. That's what something my mom taught me as a kid. So that was definitely one thing. I was very proud of myself for that because junior year, first team all-conference, I think I was top three in tackles on the defense. Uh, so that was very very proud of myself and it was a good adversity because it challenged me, pushed me. Uh, second one was I ended up breaking my foot that same season, the last game of the season. And they told me it was a sprained ankle. So I went back in, played the game, finished with I think like four or five tackles, uh, only allowed one or two catches. And then I ran three track meets with that broken foot. And during the track meets, I ran sub 51 in my four by four relay with the broken foot and then went to the junior day performed on the junior day with the broken foot so those definitely were like injuries but like to me it was just momentum because I knew if I could do that with the broken foot fully healthy I'm going to be a demon and then the biggest one though was freshman year high school uh exit interview after the season down in Benville High School in Arkansas coach Hutchinson my freshman head coach looked me in my eyes and said, Jalon, you will never see the field on a Friday night. And when he said that to me, it was just like, most people would be a dagger. To me, it was like, okay, I respect you saying that. Now I'm going to prove you wrong. And that's something I've used 
every day. Like it constantly goes through my mind when I'm training. Uh, out here training at MJP with phenomenal athletes. Uh, Damon Pierce is out there. Jack Jones, Chase Lucas, uh, Wanye Thomas from Georgia Tech. So just being with those guys, it's like, okay, my coach doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm going to show him. Like, I want, like, the first thing I'm going to do when I get to the league is go back to Ben and tell him, coach, thank you for telling me those words because those really, really pushed me to be a completely different person. That's some really awesome stuff. I feel like, you know, everyone's kind of had that moment in life where they tend to have someone that tells them, well, you can't really do this. And then, you know, it's just extra and added motivation for you to go out and to just prove them wrong. But, you know, I want to kind of ask you, you know, another one here in terms of, you know, what's your daily routine? Like, I mean, who are you training with right now? And then, you know, what's something specific that you hope to kind of accomplish over the next couple of months, because the draft is in April. Uh, so my daily routine is different than any, any prospect in any draft class will ever go through. Uh, I'm training at Michael Johnson performance up in McKinney, Texas. Uh, and the reason why I say it's different is because a lot of people train there and a lot of people stay in the area of Dallas. I'm actually currently in Austin, Texas, which is three and a half hours away. So my morning starts at four, four o'clock, four 30 in the morning. I wake up, leave my house by five o'clock, five 20 at the latest drive three and a half hours up to training. Training starts about nine, nine 15, nine 30. And then it goes to about 1230, I want to say. And then that's only three hours of training. I drive three and a half hours. I have to make a three and a half hour drive back. So my motto is, okay, if I'm going to drive this far, I'm going to get my work. So I'll put in a good four to five hours of additional work uh, just on my own, just getting sled marches, ice ice tub, hot tub, doing uh, contra bass, uh, stretching, doing Norma Tech. Then get back on the field, do a little bit of field work, get some uh, sled pushes in, wrap up my day about 4.35 o'clock and then drive three and a half hours back home, come back to the, my girlfriend's place, eat some really delicious food. Her mom, uh, they're a Mexican family, so always delicious food out here. And then play with my little puppy. I'm a little seven-month-old puppy that we got. And then go to bed about 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, and then wake back up at four o'clock and do it all again. Sounds like a very uh, busy routine, but I mean, no other way you'd have it though. I, I would, I would, I would be sure because, you know, oh, yeah. I've heard it from ever since I, I was playing when I was young. You know, from young coach, from my early days, from my, my coaches, saying, you know, if you get to when you get to this level, especially now, uh, when you're transitioning to the pros, your body is basically that's your career right there. So taking care of that and trying to push yourself any way possible you know you'd hope that would certainly pay dividends down the line i think that's certainly um really interesting you, you mentioned that drive because i've had i've had jobs before where i've had to drive not three hours but <laughs> jobs where i've had to drive quite a way and it's almost you get like a little bit of a satisfaction from it at the oh, end yeah. of it's like you know I, I went this far to do it you know i'm gonna put everything i want or everything i can into this to make it make it pay oh, off yeah. for myself um Definitely, especially with come like we were talking about, come from a small school. There's obviously training facilities in Austin I can go to, but in my mind, you if you want to be the best, you have to train the best. And 
I make that sacrifice to make that three and a half hour drive because the people at NJP, they're not just trainers. You don't just boom, 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 drill, you're done. It's, they break down every little detail because it's the little details that matter. Because if you watch the combine pro days, all athletes typically make the same mistake. And it's because their training is just ran through. MJP athletes, it's very crisp. It's very, it's very clean because we focus on the little details. And then the biggest thing is, and also is that I talk to a lot of guys there. They all know my story that I drive three and a half hours. They'll be like, yo, if I was you, I would come two days a week. You're crazy because it's five days a week in a row I do. So I'm missing time with my girlfriend, my puppy. I don't get to go see my family down in Florida and Chicago. But it's because we all have talent. That's what's got us here. But if you look, a lot of these guys that come from Division One schools, the NFL stands for not for long because they're so complacent. They're, I'm used to being the man. I don't even put in work. So my mind says, talent got us here. Hard work is what's going to keep us there. And not everyone has that work ethic. So that's just my biggest thing is just showing people that with me, I'm not just a football player. I'm a hardworking human being that's going to make a difference in your organization and in the community. Yeah, certainly hard work is the separator, especially when you get to this level where it's the elite of the elite, the athletes going at it every single day. And physical gifts can only... It's like it's like that starting point. Physical gifts give you that starting point, but what you do with those physical gifts is certainly something where that's what separates you from the rest. And you talk about, you know, talking to some of the guys about the NFL and some NFL guys. You know, in terms of the NFL, I know we're early in the process here in terms of the draft process, um, but you know, have you been in any contact at all during your experience, whether you're at Benedictine or in this offseason while you've been training? Have you had any? Uh, contact with any NFL teams and if so uh, what are some of the things that you talk about with them uh, so during my junior year I had a junior pro day with the uh, Bears Vikings Packers uh, they're just the typical pro day just talked to them showed the 40 ran it with the broken foot I didn't tell them that because truthfully to me it's it's an excuse like oh I have a broken foot that's why my time's this way like it's it's an excuse I'd rather them think that time is what it is. So when I get to my actual pro day, pro day this year, they see the exact changes that I've made. They see the time difference. They see the work ethic that I put in. Uh, like I was saying earlier, Coach Love, uh, Charles Love, he's a Bear Scout. Talked to him a couple couple times. A little bit harder now that he's in the Scouts and he has his own family, but definitely talked to him. He's a very big supporter. Uh, he's really pushed me as a, just a not just an athlete, but a human being to be a better person, be a better leader, to change my mental state. Because the biggest thing that he's hit on with me is that, I mean, like we said, everyone's talented when you get to the NFL, but the, what separates you in the NFL is your mental. To me, the NFL is 10% physical, 90% mental. Do you know what each play is going to be? When you're studying film, is it going to be, are you just going to watch the play? Are you just going to watch your person? Are you going to watch what the offensive coordinator is doing? Are you going to know what he likes to call on first down, second down, third down, second and short, second long, third and short? Are you going to be able to, uh, are you going to be able to detect who his go-to person is on each down? As well as something I've learned from some of the guys, uh, Wanya, is how long is the typical offensive play? 
because if it's typically five seconds and you're covering for say six seconds, you know that quarterback's scrambling. So you know you need to latch onto that receiver. So it's just those different things I've talked to with them as well as just truthfully like the type of person you are, because that's really what scouts care about. You have film, yeah, but you can tell what type of athlete you're getting, but what type of person you're getting is what a lot of them really care about. And then thankfully, uh the Tennessee Titans linebacker coach, uh Ryan Crow was my offensive coordinator my first year at uh Bon Wallace. So had a couple had a couple of chats with him as well. All right. So it seems like, you know, you're kind of ahead of the curve in terms of connections and, you know, just continuing to talk to people, which honestly I feel like always benefits anyone who's really trying to continue making a name for themselves. But you know, I'm sure you keep up with just what's going on in the NFL and the bears are obviously going to be looking for secondary help this off season. So what should a passionate fan base like Chicago that just has always been defense first know about Jalon Owens? What they should know about me is if, if I put on that, that Navy blue and that orange that you're going to get someone that's going to go out, just lay their body on the line each and every play that's going to be there just, Every play, it's it's a new play. What happened in the past play doesn't matter. Obviously, you want to you want to win that previous play. That's my biggest goal. But we all know football. If a quarterback, if you have a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers and a receiver like Devontae Adams, they're gonna make a play. It's 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 impossible to stop them twenty four the entire game. But with me, I'm gonna win more than I get. Like Marshawn Lynch said, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get get more than I get got. That's the biggest thing. Is just. I'm going to make sure that I win the entire matchup and that it doesn't matter who we go against. I'm going to take every opponent like it's the Super Bowl because that fan base, they've, they've gone through a lot. Living in Chicago for, for a while, see what they go through, seeing the crush on their face. And it's just, I want to bring that joy, that energy back to the city because it's such a gorgeous city, such an amazing city, and it deserves a championship. The Bulls are doing good. The Cubs brought back a championship a couple of years ago. The White Sox were looking pretty hot. Now it's time for the Bears to take over. And adding me, you're going to get the all-around person. I'm going to do everything I can. I'm not a one-position person. I'm versatile. If you need me at corner, I'll go corner. If you need me at nickel, I'll go nickel. If you need me at free safety, strong safety, put me in the box, put me at D-line, put me at D-end. It doesn't matter. I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that the Bears win as well. Shoot, put me on special teams. I was working on long snap today after training. I was in there long snapping with some of the guys doing long snap I'm down I want to run down the field and just make every single play that I can yeah certainly growing up or being around the Chicago area you probably know like all of us you know the history of the Bears and um it's it has been a little bit I I think for all Bears fans a little bit tough especially with uh you you mentioned a couple times but that guy in Green Bay just seems to uh for whatever reason just seems to have have our number for whatever reason but you know, yeah. I think Bears fans love to hear that, you know, you have that that passion for the city and that mentality of just bringing it every single day. And one other, one other thing I found interesting that you said, and this is the last question I have for you, for you Jalon, is you, know, you mentioned versatility and being willing to play whatever position um, that you need to help the team. Um, is there a particular position that you're training for um, when transitioning to the, for the NFL? Or are you looking at, you know, whether it be, cornerback or, or shift putting going inside or maybe even a shift to safety is that something to where uh you're looking to train for uh, any one of those positions in particular um uh, truth I've 
played corner uh, the last three years. I've been at Dictane. So sometimes I have corner pretty down as far as like if it's a zone scheme, but my biggest thing is working on uh, more man because Coach Schrader, uh, we were a heavy zone team. So working on man at corner. And then I've, I've truthfully been begging that you can, y'all can ask him. I've been begging Coach Schrader since my junior year to move me to safety. So now that I get the opportunity to make that jump to the next league, to the next level, my big thing is uh, focusing on free safety and strong safety as well, making sure that I have the reads. I'm able to come down, fill the hole as well, as go hash to hash as well, as from the hash all the way to the boundary. Because biggest thing that I, uh, like we were saying earlier, who's someone I uh, would compare myself to? I want to be like a Jordan Poyer from the Bills, being able to go from the far hash all the way to the numbers to make a play. That's something my uh, my coaches have always been able to praise me for, and that's something I'm really looking forward to show and train for. Yeah, it certainly. You know, I feel like just getting a quick buy from you, you know, and I kind of picked up on this just early in our interview is that you're the type of person where it's just like, just put me on the, put me wherever, as long as I'm on the field, because, you know, I'm going to make some magic happen. But before we get you out of here, you know, where can people follow you on social media, man? Uh, definitely. Uh, my Instagram is uh, underscore Y N solo. It's a little family thing. My cousin started uh, his name's uh, it's a Y N community because uh, the biggest thing we want to appreciate uh, youth within the black community. So Y underscore Y and solo Twitter's uh, Jalan underscore Owen. So J A L A A N underscore O W E N S. And those are the two big social media platforms I'm on right now. And they can reach me at uh, through my agent, uh, Whitney Holtzman at socialvictories.com. All right, guys. So, you know, if you're listening, you guys have to go give Jalan an interview. Listen, this was fun. You know, hopefully we can do it again sometime soon. You know, you're always, you have my number now, you know, I'm sure Andrew's going to follow you too. You guys will follow each other. So you're welcome back on the show at any time. Thanks so much for making this happen and yeah, have a great night. Good luck on that drive to uh, Dallas tomorrow and keep us updated on how things are going. Keep in touch, man. Thank you. No, thank you guys so much. I definitely want to be in touch. Thank you for giving my first opportunity to talk to people. So it really means a lot. Thank you guys. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right. So that was our interview with Jalan Owens. There was a lot of great stuff I felt like um, in our conversation with him. You said any quick takeaways from that before we get to some of the other things we need to discuss for uh, today's podcast? Yeah, I think my biggest takeaway is that Jalan may be a D2, D3 prospect, but what you see is just, you know, this relentless work ethic, as well as just someone who wants to get out there and just prove the world wrong. And really someone who's very humble and has a chip on his shoulder. And those are always prospects that you're going to want to root for no matter what. Yeah, absolutely. And when you look at the position he plays in particular defensive back, I think confidence is definitely a big thing to have. And Jalan has that. And I'm really hoping that um, as this process unfolds for him, that 
we, we start to really see him rise up teams draft boards and we start to see teams notice him because um, again, it, it you definitely felt it in our conversation, a lot of confidence, a lot of fire, a lot of passion for what he does. And he, you know, when he was talking about versatility that he wants to bring, the physicality he wants to bring to the game, the, the attention, the detail that he has um, with when he's training and what, when he's looking for uh, the opposing offenses, when he's, when he's looking for what those teams do and how he can kind of exploit that. Um, you get a sense that this is a guy who's a student, true student of the game. So, I want to say that we wish nothing for the best for Jalon Owens here and his NFL journey. And as this draft uh, cycle progresses, and I'm really looking forward to seeing where he ends up landing when uh, we get through this draft cycle. Uh, so with that said, let's transition now to the final topic for today's episode today. And that's getting to some of this bears news on their GM and head coach search. Uh, like I said, I think earlier on in the episode today, uh, the Bears announced a couple of interviews uh, today, right before we started recording, actually, with McKenzie um, and Leftwich for the GM and head coach positions, respectively. We also got an announcement earlier in the week uh, that Matt Eberflus, the defensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts, uh, will be getting his second interview uh, with the Bears, I think, on Monday, uh, this next Monday. So that's very interesting to me because when a coach gets a second interview, that's a signal that not only are the teams interested in him, but he's a finalist for this job. That's what it's kind of been framed as is that, you know, he's already been uh, tagged by the search committee led by Bill Polian and, and some Ted Phillips and some of the other guys in the organization um, that you know, he's already being billed as a, a finalist for the head coaching position, which is very interesting since they don't have a GM yet, uh, which I, I want to get your thoughts on. You said, so when it comes to those developments here, uh, you said uh, any thoughts on you know the way the GM and head coach search are going and uh, what to expect from some of the, the updates we've seen so far yeah so another thing to kind of announce here is that the Bears did go ahead and they interviewed Chargers director of player personnel and Jojo Wooden which was very interesting because the Bears have kind of announced some of their interviews but not all of them and usually we get word like late afternoon or late in the evening that these are the teams or these are the candidates the Bears have talked to. I mean, just over the last couple of days, we've seen names like Brian Dable, Joe Shane get floated around, Ed Dodds, Morocco Brown, Matt Eberflus as well. But then ultimately, Jojo Wooden was someone that we didn't – we knew the Bears put an interview request for him, but we didn't know that they af- sat down and formally interviewed him until Chargers general manager Tom Telesco kind of announced it. So we found out via a third party, which, you know, just goes to show the bears are bringing people in the building and they're not announcing all their interviews simply because it's just another classic case of this organization trying to keep things under wrap, which is sometimes a good thing, but usually in the bears case, it ends up being a bad thing. But anyways, you know, getting back on track here, I want to talk about Matt Eberflus for a second, because when you look at the Indianapolis Colts and Matt Eberflus has been their defensive coordinator since 2018, you go look at the Colts draft classes, Eberflus has really only had one first round pick that's been a defensive player, and that's Quiddy Pay. So it's a really a credit to him for being able to develop these players like Julian Blackman, Darius Leonard, Rocky Asina, cornerback. You know, he's really gotten the best out of a lot of these second, third, fourth round picks. And then another thing to really consider is this is the timing of all this is something you need to watch out for because 
it's like you mentioned, right? When you bring in a candidate for a second interview, what happens is odds are that that person's a finalist for the general manager head coaching job. But Eberflus's case is very interesting because I think he interviewed with the Bears brass on Monday or Tuesday of this week. And then all of a sudden, here we are on Thursday getting word that, okay, you know what? He's a finalist for the job and he's coming back for a second interview. And effectively, what that means is Eberflus's interview went so well that the Bears are really hoping to kind of reel him in. And so I think he's going to make a phenomenal head coach and someone you need to just continue to watch out for. Now, when you bring a defensive-minded guy in, the sole biggest question you're going to have is, hey, who at that point would Eberflus hire to oversee the development of the quarterback position? And certainly right now, someone to look at that's had experience is Press Taylor, who has been an offensive coordinator and a quarterback's coach. He's currently a senior offensive assistant for the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, that's really the biggest question mark when it comes to Ebro Flues. I mean, it, really any defensive-minded candidate, because um, obviously when you have an offensive guy like Brian Dable certainly has been a guy who's been in the mix for the Bears' job because of the work he's done with Josh Allen. He's, he's interviewed with the Bears already. Um you know, that, that's certainly going to be a connection that's made. And when you, when you interview an offensive guy, uh, typically, I mean, you, you know what you're getting in terms of the continuity in offense. If you're hiring an offensive guy, you know that if he's the guy long-term, you have that established uh, identity there on that side of the ball. You know who's the play caller there. You know what scheme you're running there. It makes it very simple for, say, a guy like Justin Fields, who's developing still going into his second year, that he, can, he now knows that he has that consistency of, you know, whether not knowing that, you know, if, if he has a good year or the offense is a good year, that there's no risk of the offensive coordinator maybe leaving to get a head coaching job elsewhere, you know, so it, it, it and have lose continuity from that. So it, it's more of a benefit there for an offensive minded coach in, in a situation like this with the bears where you have a young quarterback, but that doesn't mean that a defensive guy can't work as well. And I, I think for Eberflus, it sounds like the bears really liked what he did and, uh, his first interview. That's why he's being brought back for a second interview. And he's probably a finalist for uh, this head coaching position already is that they really liked what, you know, he, he was able to sell to them uh, in that first meeting. So if he has a plan for Justin Fields to develop him and um, he can bring in a, a young or not even a young, but a established um, offensive mind to help mold Justin Fields and get the most out of him. I mean, you have to consider him as a, a serious candidate and Iberflus, he's going to be a guy that's been, on my radar for a while because of the job that he's done in Indianapolis. Um, really what he's done throughout his coaching career, you go back to before he was in Indianapolis. Uh, he did a lot of great work with Dallas in terms of developing the linebackers there as their defensive coach, a uh, linebackers coach there and passing game coordinator on the defensive side of the ball. So even for this, he's a guy who's been around for a while, who's had a track record of success wherever he's been uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, and it, you know, his teams are typically, well-coached, very disciplined, and for a defensive team like the Bears, who um, pride themselves on that side of the ball as a franchise, uh, certainly being able to force turnovers is something that you know we haven't really seen be a consistent theme for a defense since the Lovey Smith years, where it seemed like every year they were turning out 20, 30 uh, turnovers a year, it seemed like. So there's a lot of intrigue there with Eberflus, but the bigger thing for me when it comes to this situation is um, the bigger discussion of the way the process is being handled by the bears in terms of how they're going about hiring both the head coach 
and GM spots because, you know, we talked about Eberflus being a finalist for the Bears head coaching position already. I mentioned it earlier, but the Bears, they still haven't decided who their GM is. I don't even think they've even gotten to a second interview for any of their GM candidates, uh, which is very fascinating to me. It's It screams of a situation to where it sounds like the Bears, um, you know, tr- traditionally when you think of, uh, you know, bringing in a new GM, new head coach, cleaning house essentially, and, and bringing in a new regime, you know, fresh here. Typically, the traditional model is that, you hire a GM, you let him go through his list of candidates that he likes, and he hires the best guy that he thinks would be best for the head coaching job uh, moving forward here. And one of the things that I, I think, you know, this was kind of mentioned at the Bears postseason press conference, they mentioned that, you know, they would try to get the GM position first, but if that a head coach, you know, really blew them away that, you know, they would go for a head coach um, and hire him before a GM if that was the case. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen with Eberflus here. It's very well possible they just, they just want to get more information uh, on Eberflus um, because he's got interest from a lot of different jobs as well. So maybe showing him interest as well is something they're trying to, to, to work on here. I, I don't know. Um, but it's really head-scratching that they're doing this now with the timing of it all because they haven't really solidified who their GM is going to be yet. And it makes me, even though I like Iberflus as a candidate, it makes me a little bit worried that we're going to find a situation similar to, you know, 2015, where if we remember, uh, you know, Ryan Pace didn't really make the hire on his first head coach. John Fox was hired to be the Bears head coach by Ernie Acorsi, essentially, because Ernie Acorsi, of course, was a consultant that helped hire Ryan Pace uh, because George McCaskey and Ted Phillips admittedly don't know what they're doing. They, they've said it themselves that they really don't know anything about football. So getting a consultant like Ernie Acorsi, to help them with that search. And, and they basically gave a course of the reins to kind of make the hires for both GM and head coach. So I kind of worried that we're getting a similar situation here with Bill Polian running the show. Um, do you have any thoughts or concerns with that and how this process is being handled? Yeah. See, I certainly have a concern because what did we learn at that bears postseason presser with George McCaskey and Ted Phillips? We kind of learned that, you know, the bears and, I use air quotes, they revamped or restructured the way that the organization has its hierarchy set up. Because if you remember, George McCaskey basically admitted, yeah, before the GM would have to go, everything that the GM did would go through Ted Phillips. Now that GM, everything they do, including who they report to, it's directly to George McCaskey. And so you certainly have to wonder, you know, why would you hire the head coach before hiring the general manager when you're basically saying, okay, we understand the general manager is the third guy in charge, but the general manager directly reports to George McCaskey. Cause what you're doing, what the bears are doing right now is this, is they're, I don't want to say they're setting themselves up for failure, but there's not necessarily any other term that I can use because it is kind of a flawed process. It's like, you don't want to hire a head coach and then basically hire a general manager afterwards and kind of force that head coach on them, right? You want your general manager as the top football decision maker in your organization to have a list and have a say in who the next head coach is going to be. Because again, that's just what the good teams in the NFL do. You look at a team such as the Ravens, for example, you know, they had Ozzie Newsome there and then, you know, they hired Harbaugh, right? And so as a result of, um, you know, Harbaugh as well as Ozzie Newsome, and now you have Eric DeCosta kind of 
help running the show. You know, the Ravens have done it the same way for years where the GMs kind of went ahead and picked the head coach and so, and had a say in the head coach. And so essentially the bears need to get back to that. So, you know, we're kind of this whole interviewing of GM and head coaching candidates simultaneously. We have to understand it's not a, terrible thing by any means but then again you know your higher priority should be on figuring out the general manager first and once you have that general manager in place then shift to finding a head coach because right now the bears priorities are kind of split when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over 600 each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply yeah, because the last thing you want to do is to hire a general manager who feels like he doesn't have the power or authority to properly do the job. And I think that was something that kind of Ryan Pace struggled with early on in his career when it came to the John Fox hiring is that, you know, John Fox was Ernie, of course, he's guy when John Fox came available or Ernie, of course, he, if you remember right away, went to go hire him because, you know, they have a relationship together. They knew each other for a long time uh, based off of their history together. So it was one of those things where you're hiring this new GM to kind of restructure the organization, not, not restructure, but kind of take the, the franchise in a different direction and really, um, you know, try to do something different for the franchise. And if you're undercutting him right away um, with who he can hire as the head coach, you know, it, it, it comes off as questionable to me, you know, it very well could be a situation where this works out for the bears. And there have been some rumors that with Morocco Brown, uh, you know, scheduled to interview later on, I think this weekend as well, who's uh executive for, I, I think he runs college scouting for uh, the, Colts, the Colts, I believe. I could be wrong on that, but we talked about Brown earlier. Um, I'm, I'm forgetting his position title off the top of my head, but you know, he's heavily involved with the draft for the Colts. He's been around the league a long time. He, you know, he had experience with the Bears. So the Bears know Morocco Brown very well from his, his time with the Bears. Um, from 2001 to 2007. Um, so it might be a situation to where they might already feel good about a guy like Morocco Brown since they have that prior relationship with him. So maybe it's it's a situation where they feel like, you know, Brown and Eberflus, they may be saying it up to pair those guys together. Um, that, that could be certainly a scenario that plays out as well. Um, so last thing here you say before you know, we get out of here for today is, you know, kind of talking about that that scenario kind of brought up is kind of predicting this thing because this is a situation where it's, it's a process that's gone very slow for the bears um, in their GM and head coach search. Um, this is something that where it could drag out for a while, but it's very also very possible that things could eventually the pace could quicken up a little bit. We could see some actual movement on this soon. So uh, going into this weekend, do you have any prediction for, you know, who you think is going to be the hires here uh, for both the GM and head coaching positions? You know, it it's certainly I look, it's hard to say because these Bears interviews are continuing into the weekend, right? It's just like they just got done interviewing Reggie McKenzie and Byron Lefwich, and then you have Leslie Frazier and I believe Todd Bowles on Saturday too. So but if I had to pick, you know, my ideal kind of combination and candidacy would be two head coaches, either Eberflus, well, I should really say three head coaches, right? Um you know, Eberflus 
Todd Bowles or Brian Dable. And then for GM, there's two guys that I would be really intrigued with, um, which would be that I think the Bears have a realistic shot at getting Joe Shane, who is one of the top guys in the Bills organization. And then, um, you know, it would either be Omar Khan or Morocco Brown, because I think that those guys would certainly make a lot of sense for the Bears. You look at Omar Khan, we touched on him last week. He's been with the Steelers for two decades and they've had, you know, so much success drafting players. Morocco Brown, I know that Bears fans are going to be kind of wary of him, but um, I think him being Chris Ballard's right-hand man, he's certainly seen a really good team built firsthand. And again, you know, one thing to understand about Morocco Brown is that he's not necessarily super aggressive in the draft. He's more so about, you know, positional value as well as, you know, value just in the drafts that tends to fluctuate based on the strength of the draft class, along with, um, you know, how good or how deep a certain draft class is. Yeah, I think Khan is going to be a very interesting aim to follow because the Bears wanted to get kind of that present football operations um, type of figure for their organization, maybe hire a GM under that guy. Khan is the perfect man for that because he has experience on the football operations side of things. He has experience on the business side of things. Um, he's, he's done it all. So if they wanted a situation where, you know, Ted Phillips is kind of getting up there in age and it's rumored that, you know, he's going to be out of the organization in the next year or so, uh, maybe possibly retiring soon. Um, you know, Colin would kind of be that perfect guy to come in because, you know, he has that business experience, but he also knows what he's doing from a football standpoint as well. So you feel confident that, you know, he could go in there and hire a GM to work under him and run the show, but also be able to evaluate that GM and, you know, see where it's going from there. Um, I don't know. I, 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 it's tough for me to say with any certainty, because like you said, there are still some interviews yet to be to happen here. Um, I will say that I think the pairing of Iberflus and Rocker Brown is very intriguing one for me. And it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever to see the bears go in that direction because you look at it here, Morocco Brown, he has ties to the Bears organization. Iberflus, he kind of brings kind of an older school physical mentality to two things here, which I think Bill Polian and ownership is going to really like about him. It's probably why they brought him back for a second interview is that they really like what he's selling. But also both of these guys are very smart football people um, who kind of understand how to properly build a team. And especially Brown, he's been in multiple other organizations besides uh, just the Colts. So you're getting that that versatility or that flexibility of um, having different modes of thought that this guy ha has seen in different organizations. So that's something I'm really intrigued by there. So I, I think the the Brown Eberflus thing makes a lot of sense. If the bears want to go in that direction, it seems like that might be angling for that. So that's going to be my prediction. I think that's probably a likely, likely spot they go to there, but we'll see what happens. There's certainly a lot that could change here. Um, a, a lot of intriguing names still, on the board that the Bears could be interested in. And we'll just have to see how this process plays out. It's, I know it's been a slow, slow crawl, Bears fans, but, you know, stay patient with it. Um, you know, hopefully, we just hope that they get it right here this time because we don't want a situation five years from now where we're talking about the same exact thing on this podcast moving forward. All right, you say uh, that's going to wrap it us for us here today. I want to thank all of our listeners for uh, tuning in and, and giving us a follow. For anyone who's interested in following us on social media, make sure to follow us on our Twitter account uh, at Picks for Pace. Uh, you said, where can our listeners find you on Twitter and social media and also find your work covering the Bears? 
Yeah, guys, you can follow me on Twitter as well as all the other social media platforms at Usaid Koshal. Check out my work on the Bear Report. I'm currently working on a coaching profile for Matt Eberflus. Yeah, absolutely. Make sure to check that out by Usaid there and make sure to give him a follow. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at AJFreeman25. Uh, you can find my work at the Bear Report as well. Make sure to keep an eye out for what I have in the offseason. Uh, wrapping up some of my tracking the trenches series from the 2021 season. Uh, I should have the offensive line recap for the entire 2021 season out on Friday or by the time this episode is out. So I'm definitely excited to get uh, that out there. But also keep an eye out. I have some stuff planned for the Senior Bowl and, and some draft things as well this offseason. So definitely keep an eye on that. Really excited to get to the offseason here as this slowly starts to build and get going here uh, during the early weeks of the offseason for the Bears. All right, that's going to wrap it us up here for us here at Picks for Pace. Once again, thank you everyone for listening and tuning in here. I want to th- I want to wish everyone a happy and healthy weekend. Stay safe, everybody. Stay warm if you're in the Chicagoland area, especially. And we'll be talking to you next week where hopefully we have some updates on this GM and head coaching search for the Bears. Have a great weekend, everybody. Bear down. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom, and a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.